Hello, friends, and welcome back. I hope everyone is well. Um, I, I, I don't know what Mother Nature is doing to me here, but essentially she is throwing winter at us full force. Um, I mean, I don't know what that means to other people, but basically to, mean, to me, uh, you know, that means temperatures below zero, snow, ice, and scraping my goddamn car, which is just, a, you know, it's true horror. Um, but thanks to all the weather, um, basically entering hibernation mode um, and uh, taking all this extra indoor time <laughs> to uh, essentially um, start playing around with all the fun new streaming apps. I mean, Disney Plus, Apple TV, um, essentially all you buggers with the streaming apps, Netflix, all y'all better basically get your act together though because I ain't paying more than about 80 bucks a month because that would have been what, cable? 60, not even? I don't know. I'm just saying like I'm not paying for all these individual streaming bullshits. But it's, it's a whole other thing. Um, some of them are pretty cool. I will admit that. And one of which I'm definitely very happy with so far. And this is not a paid ad. I want to put point that out there. Shutter. Um, yeah. Horror uh, right at your bloody fingertips. Um, I love it. Um, it's awesome. Uh, and essentially, while kind of exploring and creating this uh, to-be-watched list, uh, came across this classic. Um, I've been told many times I need to see it. I mean, this has inspired so many things I've seen in pop culture, let alone... Um, you know, essentially it has popped up in other bits that I've done researching, you know, for this very podcast. So that's it. We're finally looking at it, the changeling. So uh, without further ado. Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Total 
let that sound ring because it is just truly just I don't know there's just something about kids and film that just fucking terrify me I don't know I just kids are creepy I, I just gotta say it um they're cute but creepy um so that's it the changeling in the 1980 Canadian supernatural psychological deemed yet a horror film but I don't I don't know if I'd put it under that but we'll get into that later um directed by Peter Medic and starring George C. Scott and Trish Von Dr- Devere. Um, the plot, you know, basically we're following an esteemed New York composer relocating to Seattle um, and moving into a haunted mansion. Uh, and it's one hell of an interesting story that he basically begins to unravel. And through my events of looking into things, um, based off true events, uh, the writer Russell Hunter claimed he experienced a very similar story, which we're going to get into, living um, in the Henry treat Rogers Mansion in uh, Cheeseman or Chessman Park uh, neighborhood in Denver, Colorado. Um, And uh, essentially this experience, he would be the co-writer of the film. So pretty cool stuff. So diving into the plot here, um, we follow John Russell. This is George C. Scott, as I said, our composer, and he's moving to Seattle, Washington, following the death of his wife and daughter in a horrible awful violent traffic accident um, while they're on a winter vacation upstate. Um, And the movie starts off right away with that death. Um, So you're instantly just kind of set on edge from the very beginning. And, um, you know, from this point on, he's kind of basically reestablishing his life and, you know, what role he's going to serve his purpose. And, um, you know, renting this large, eerie Victorian mansion because the local historical society and the one individual, Claire Norman, Trish Van Devere, um, basically, you know, is quite interested in him having it, being the musician and so forth, because it is, you know, a large estate that could basically... uh, accommodate for his piano and I believe she does have a little history about uh, music in uh, within the history of the building itself but not long after moving in John uh, essentially begins to experience some really unexplained phenomenon starting with a loud banging um, that we hear at the end of the trailer and as well as um, you know just some weird in weird events that it just cannot be explained essentially the loud banging though is what kind of sets him off on figuring out what the hell is happening because i mean realistically it's interfered with his sleep twice <laughs> but uh, you can't blame a man um but uh, basically the one night he sees the apparition of the drowned boy in the bathtub um and basically in that same sort of breath discovers a hidden attic um in the hidden attic bedroom um and essentially within there covered in dust discovers a child's wheelchair um and essentially a notebook and begins to essentially put together the history of the house and at this point he him himself and claire uh believe the ghost is that of a young girl killed outside in a traffic accident in 1909 um but at this point basically they hold a seance and one hell of a great scene that woman's voice is so eerie um everything escalates and essentially they're able to put together that no it isn't uh this little girl in fact it's a boy um and his name is joseph carmichael um but it's not till later and that's where it really gets creepy when john's playing back the seance tape and that's when he hears uh joseph whispering um and some great editing sound effects it just it's really simple stuff through this film um slow build 
really slow build, but it, it definitely pays off. And this is when things definitely start paying off. Um, so basically the story, John discovers that Joseph was a crippled boy. He was sick, um, about six years old and murdered in 1906 by his father, uh, Richard, because he was unlikely to reach the age of 21, essentially due to the illnesses that he you know, inherited. Now, he was essentially in line to inherit an enormous fortune from the late grandfather, but to ensure the actual inheritance, you know, the success of the family's last name, the father, Richard, ends up killing Joseph and replacing the dead boy, um, you know, with a procured uh, boy from a local orphanage um, and essentially spiriting the two away to Europe under the pretense of seeking treatment for the uh, boy's condition, spending years away, returned saying that the boy's been cured. And of course, that isn't the case. He's taken this adopted boy and kind of had him fill the shoes of Joseph. So Joseph basically, you know, through this, you know, he basically exposes everything. And John instantly kind of collapses, trying to contact Claire. She comes over, she figures it out. And now we're basically unraveling a really twisted murder mystery. And as a true crime junkie, I was hooked. I don't know, just something about the whole case. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, so anyways, John's investigation leads him to a property once owned by the Carmichaels and essentially believes that the real body of Joseph Carmichael was dumped down the well. And there's a little story there with the girl that lives there being haunted, of course, by Joseph as well. Now, as they start to dig, he does find the skeleton of a young child as well as a christening medallion. Um, and essentially, Using this medallion, he attempts to speak to Senator Carmichael. Instantly, he's restrained um, because the senator has been, you know, hinted to this whole thing all along um, from the historical society, constantly giving him little updates. <clears throat> so he's the senator is completely disturbed to see the medal. Uh, it's identical to the one in his possession, um, and essentially, the society begins to can't to do kind of weird things behind the scene. They cancel John's lease on the house. They fire Claire. Um, and Carmichael sends a detective, Captain DeWitt, uh, to John's home and attempt to intimidate him and retrieve the, me the medal. John instantly refuses. And when DeWitt leaves to obtain a search warrant, his vehicle mysteriously crashes, killing him. Um, I mean, it's just absolute total chaos at this point. We're dealing with, um, you know, really unsettling story it's truly upsetting um and now we're dealing with a supernatural and a political issue all in the same breath it's, it's you know what a fucking nightmare for john so after dewitt's death uh the senator finally agrees to meet with john who tells him the story the senator refuses everything angrily berates john accusing him um you know basically you know lying about his father um his father was a loving man you know all that kind of bullshit and uh, that's when John leaves the medal, Joseph's medal, and uh, basically the files, the only copy of the seance, and just apologizes. Claire goes to the house to find John and is chased by Joseph's wheelchair in this same moment. Um, and it's one great camera scene. It's, it's great camera work. Um, and she falls down the stairs and this moment John arrives, kind of whisks her away, but the house begins to just violently shake. Joseph's ghost has basically lost it. And um, at this point, the fire, or there's a fire, Joseph lights a fire through the house, kind of a neat little, I mean, it's just gasoline probably as a special effect, but it 
pay, played well on the uh, on camera. Um, but uh, essentially, this is when the story got a little weird. Um, simultaneously, at the same moment, the senator is comparing the two medals, realizing the truth. Everything's kind of washing over him. Um, and he falls into this bizarre trance at the portrait of his father. And this is when John witnesses the senator's sort of astral body climbing the burning stairs to Joseph's room. Claire, you know, runs in to rescue John, um, and uh, essentially the senator witnesses the murder of the real Joseph and sees everything before his astral body's eyes, um, and uh, his true body, which was back, you know, back at his house, suffers a fatal heart attack. Um, John and Claire rush over to the senator's house, of course, to see him being loaded into the ambulance. And the film ends the next morning with Joseph's burnt wheelchair sitting amongst the ruins of the mansion with the music box nearby, slowly playing that lullaby we've heard throughout the film. Um, really, to me, I truly enjoyed this film. I mean, the beginning was very slow. <laughs> Probably about 30 minutes of... And I get it, they're trying to tell a story. I mean, they started off really with a punch with the murder of John's family, but murder, you know, the, the tr death of John's family, but the, you know, the real horror, I guess, of this story. And when you want to watch a horror movie, it doesn't really tune in till way later, but either way, totally worth the wait because the payoff is pretty fantastic. Although we're getting into the whole deemed part of astral bodies. It's a little bizarre. Um, cast wise, Personally, I love George C. Scott. He's one of my favorites. Um, it, it's technically Exorcist Three, but Legion, he just does a fabulous job, and uh, he, you know, definitely brings his A game again to this film. Uh, Trish uh, Von Devere in the beginning, I have to admit, Claire was fucking annoying, um, but essentially began to uh, you know slowly come around to you know enjoy like enjoying her presence. Um, other than that, the rest of the cast comes together to, you know, deliver a really phenomenal film, a real interesting story. Um, horror, I don't know if I'd put it under that. To me, this is a thriller, murder mystery. It's great, though, you know, but it, at the same time, it just, I guess, you know, horror to me is, I guess by definition, yes, it does fit a horror film, but to me, this was... Definitely more towards the thriller side. Um, screenplay. It, the screenplay was inspired, as I said, by the mysterious events allegedly taking place at Henry Treat Rogers Mansion in Chessman Park, Denver, Colorado, um, while the playwright Russell Hunter was living there during the 60s. Um, he experienced a series of unexplained phenomenon, and essentially Hunter said he found a century-old journal in a hidden room detailing the life of a disabled boy kept in isolation by his parents. During a seance, he claimed that the spirit of the deceased boy directed him to another house where he discovered human remains and a gold medallion bearing the dead boy's name. Henry Treat Rogers, a wealthy Denver attorney, was childless, but prior inhabitants of the house remain undocumented. The mansion, of course, demolished in 1980 and replaced with high-rise apartment buildings. Um, I feel like I got to look more into this. This was the only little bit I was basically kind of able to come across, but I feel like I'm going to probably at some point come across the actual original book and more than likely you'll probably see it on my Instagram. Now, um, filming kind of interesting because I mean this is set in Seattle but they basically just moved everything up to Canada filming in Vancouver, Victoria, 
aside from a couple locations, including New York um, and Seattle points of interest, you know, like the university, Red, um, Red Square, Washington's Red Square, um, the Red, you know, the Space Needle, all that kind of stuff. Outside of that, um, the actual interior college scenes were shot at the University of Toronto, and uh, the Historical Society building was actually Vancouver's Historical Hotel Europe. Um, so it's kind of neat how they just, you know, transferred these things over. So those of you who really enjoy the film, of course, can do your own little uh, tourist adventure. And um, Peter Medic, the director, was the third one hired for the product or the project. Uh, his predecessors, Donald Kamel and Tony Richardson, both withdrew due to creative differences. And uh, he was hired basically with only a month to facilitate script rewrites and set construction. So talk about fucking pressure. Um, Roger Ebert wrote in his review of the film that it only took craftsmen um, to make a haunted house movie, the Changeling would have been a great one. Uh, it was all the technical requirements, beginning with uh, the haunted house itself. The film does not does have some interesting ideas, but it doesn't have the sneaky sense of awful things about to happen. Scott makes the hero so rational, normal, and self-possessed that we never feel he's in real danger. We go through the movie with too much confidence. Um, I kind of have to agree, and I think that's where I basically leave off on why I don't feel this is a horror film, because his life truly wasn't at jeopardy. It's just we're left, you know, on the sideline, just kind of wondering what the hell happened to this poor little boy, and how can we help? And that's basically, you know, the whole plot of this. And it's great, though, nonetheless. You know, even though it wasn't as gory graphic awful you know that heart pounding gut-wrenching terrifying sense that I love from horror films it was still an altogether really great story um and even though I have to disagree with uh Roger here Roger here because I actually kind of like the way Scott presented the hero sort of as this rational normal individual I mean at the same time he just went through horrible events so I mean to me he's trying to take this in not only as a father but as a father who lost his child so you know very interesting road to walk uh home media i have we're dealing in the uh you know 21st century guys get shutter because it's totally worth it not only can you watch this great film um you know or watch again hopefully if it's that case you know you can essentially uh, watch a whole bunch of other great ones but of course i mean starting off with laserdisc um and moving on to uh, dvd blu-ray of course this is available in whichever format you prefer for your home media viewing uh soundtrack pretty interesting i mean this has got a whole break down a whole bunch of different um, scores that they used at different points and each one definitely you know really delivers a wallop when it comes to just sort of building essentially what tension you know was rising and uh, you know just kind of wondering what the hell is Joseph going to do next uh, conclusion um, there's just something about horror and heartbreak that just totally go together um, it they just seem to inter intertwine very, very well. Um, and this film, it like I said, I don't agree that it's horror. Definitely one hell of a thriller. Great plot. Great murder mystery. I mean, only film that I can say made a bouncing ball down a set of stairs. Truly kind of spooky. Um, you know, when you think about it, like, 
what would you have done if you were John in that moment? Because that was definitely kind of going through my head at the moment, thinking like, shit, I would fucking leave that house. But John sticks through it. And, you know, you kind of have to commend him for that. Because, I don't know, there's just something about dealing with the paranormal that is unsettling and at the same time truly fascinating. Um, guys, if I, I, this film is dealing with some really dark themes. I mean, just the loss of your loved one, your, the loss of your child, and just the idea of, you know, your stance with society, money, Joseph's whole family and his bring, um, upbringing is some very dark, dark themes, but all together comes together to, you know, be one hell of a great film. So guys, wrapping up here, thank you so much for listening. As always, it's it's been a pleasure. I know I absolutely love doing this and um, I'm so glad each of you, you know, tune in to, uh, to hear my annoying voice. <laughs> um, and if you want to see what antics I'm up to, of course, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And um, as always, guys, keep calm, stay creepy.